welcome back to another episode of the Polecast, episode nine. You're joined today by Jake Mace, your host, and my ever-faithful co-host, John Fleming. Welcome back, John. Hello, welcome, Jake. How are you doing? I'm, I'm great, thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right, thank you. Feeling elated by the US election, election result or feeling dismayed? Well, I mean, it's definitely the best option. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can, I can see that. Definitely the best option, but everything's still a bit up in the air at the time of recording. I don't think it actually will have changed by the time we release this either. Um, we're still waiting to hear back on these legal challenges that Trump's raising uh, and whether or not he could, quote unquote, steal the election. So that'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. I know, it's crazy stole not conceded because, I mean, usually they just be like, OK, well, we lost, but then it seems determined to drag this out. Yeah, I think probably until January, until we see Biden enter the White House, we'll we'll, we'll still be seeing the effects of this. Um, it'll be an interesting couple of months politically. I'm sure we'll end up coming back to it on uh, this show. I mean, the outlook, I mean, even though Biden's won, I mean, it doesn't really look that optimistic for him if the Republicans hold the Senate, which they likely will. I mean, it doesn't really seem like he's going to be able to do all that much. But I mean, at least like image-wise certainly looks a lot better than before yeah i mean it'll be a question um i've seen lots of things raised as to whether it'll be similar to obama's first presidency where, where he faced a very similar situation i guess we'll just have to wait and see what he is able to and to not do and to see in the uh, interesting political soap opera if trump gets dragged out the white house by <laughs> the secret service or not <laughs> that would be the real question uh, whether he maybe maybe he will make a dignified exit i think maybe i'm stretching the bounds of reality quite far there anyway in, in terms of our own political soap opera over here in, in in the uk we've had a very interesting week dominic cummings leaving uh the conservative party well leaving the conservative government i don't actually think he was ever a member of the conservative party yeah probably not his sort of thing yeah, no, leaving his role as, as an advisor to Boris Johnson uh, following the resignation of Lee Kane, um, the longtime communications director and his fellow uh, vote leave compatriot from, from back in those 2016 referendum days where things seemed oh so simple. <laughs> it was it was all black and white. There was no moral in between, <laughs> whereas now. It's quite hard to discern the good characters from the bad, I think. Yeah, I know. I mean, I didn't really expect him to leave, I guess. I yeah. mean, I guess maybe his sort of um, agenda wasn't really being pursued, and maybe, but, yeah. um, well, I mean, I mean, I guess uh, the question remains, um, as especially what uh, the political satirists are saying is who's going to be running the show now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um... It, it definitely will be an interesting thing to follow. Uh, if, if Boris Johnson stays in office, obviously there's been lots of speculation about him leaving after Brexit and, and the pandemic, that all the effects of the pandemic have been relieved. Uh, he's not had the easiest time of it, but then again, um, he, he has seemingly been controlled by uh, Dominic Cummings from, from behind, or that's certainly been the, the perspective that's been put forward to, I think, a lot of the population. Um, 
But you brought something to my attention, which I actually hadn't heard about, which is uh, the resurgence of, of Nigel Farage. I'd not, I'd not been paying enough attention, clearly, in the, in the anti-mask, anti-lockdown community. Yeah, I know. So basically, um, the old Nigel Farage is making a comeback again. Um, that seems to be his kind of style. Yeah. And launching Reform UK, which sounds um, a lot like the ill-fated uh, Change UK. Yeah. Um, and that didn't go very well, so we'll see how this goes. But um, So Reform UK to contest in local elections next year on a kind of anti-lockdown manifesto. Which is, I mean, it's interesting, the rise of, of, of this anti-lockdown thing. I think uh, the, the article that we were looking through was suggesting that support for lockdown has gone from uh, 92% of voters down to 72, um, which, is, which is interesting. So, I mean, that doesn't necessarily suggest that those people are uh, anti-lockdown as such or hold particularly strong anti-lockdown views, uh, but maybe that they are... Um, leaning towards getting tired or frustrated with the lockdown, which is what essentially Nigel Farage and uh, what was it called? Reform UK. It's hard to keep a track of all of these uh, <laughs> UK based parties. I don't know why they feel they need to stick it on the end as if it adds uh, a, a sense of patriotism that we, we don't associate Nigel Farage enough with the concept of British nationalism, that he needs to feels the need to stick UK at the end of his new party. Yeah, I know. I mean, I guess one thing this could do is like, as with what he aimed with the Brexit party, um, is you know make government policy more anti-lockdown. I guess. I mean, um, in the article you were talking about just there, saying um, thirty-four Tories rebelled against government with a new English lockdown. So it'll be interesting to see if this does actually influence government policy as, as I, would, I would assume would be the party's main kind of aim. Yeah, I mean, there are, t- there are two perspectives on, on, on this anti-lockdown sort of thing. And one is um, very sort of conservative, and I would suggest probably more the mainstream conservatives are, are adhering to this, certainly the ones that rebelled, which is that it's going to be torment for the economy and we're going to lose more lives through... Um, economic hardship or um, uh, up through other health problems that arise from being locked down uh, than we are through locking down, which I don't think has been proven in any statistical sense yet, or it, it's certainly not possible to prove it in, in any statistical sense. It doesn't, it, to me, it, it, it's quite a selfish move, um, but maybe that's me coming from, from a leftist perspective on that as well. I, I, I don't know. Um, it seems quite selfish to suggest, oh, we need to, rather than letting <laughs> this virus go away, we need to just just get on with it and and then all get back to our our busy economic yeah. lives. I mean, I mean, I guess the kind of merit to this argument would be the like maybe lockdowns aren't like a, a long term solution, but I mean, I yeah. mean, there have been um quite there has been like quite optimistic um news about vaccines anyway, which could be. Yes coming into effect next year so maybe you know um lockdowns could work in the interim um yeah i mean that what we're talking about with vaccines here this is this is the second perspective that people come from with the anti-lockdown thing which is uh uh the the sort of pandemic conspiracy theories 
Uh, the, the, the oh, I've not heard that before. Plandemic. Have you not? Plandemic? No, I've heard oh, that. No. I've heard that many times. Um, I think at all points we've probably thought, oh, you know, particularly if you've not had known someone that's, that's been affected by COVID, you kind of think, oh, am I quite disconnected or removed from, from this uh, pandemic? Uh, but ultimately, we are all going to be affected by it if the trajectories continue on the way that we are. And that's that's what the science is saying anyway. I, I can see why people are sceptical if they don't have first-hand experience of it. It's the same thing with anything, ultimately. Um, but at the same time, there is a very, very fine line between scepticism and conspiracy. And, and I think walking that line can be difficult. Um, certainly with what you see with, you know, people going out and protesting uh, against lockdown. I mean, I, I find that very difficult to reconcile with any kind of thought for a society that I would rather be a part of. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? These these people that are leading that, if, if, if that's what they're propagating, then I personally would want no part of that. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And then secondarily to that, I mean, we've seen a sort of resurgence. It was plastered all over um, BBC News the day after the announcement for the um, Pfizer vaccine was 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 made um about a resurgence in anti-vax uh, conspiracy as well which will be interesting because you know the government have had to basically come out and and make a very strong statement of denial against this um i i don't think it's a, i don't think it's a huge part of the population but it's certainly been getting a lot of attention this idea that vaccines are dangerous or um they're going to plant some sort of chip in us is another conspiracy I, I i saw bbc were debunking yeah um, i mean it's it's interesting because i'm sure um like anti-vaxxers were quite in the news even before just yeah. up before the virus as well especially with um well i guess it would be the MM, mmr jabs yes and kids going to school that was the big kind of thing but um, i i wonder if the, that's actually grown like because i guess there's the kind of base anti-vaxxers i suppose right i wonder if the virus is um dramatically increase the number of people who don't believe in it i'm not sure i i would imagine it's a relatively small section of society and you would imagine that would be the case because the conservative government have come out to say in strong denial against that and say that we all must be vaccinated for it to work you know they wouldn't risk losing that vote in in my head um if if to come out and say that uh, so strongly uh, so so it's an interesting thing i think the anti-vax thing is overplayed it gets too much airtime for 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 what it is um, yeah i mean it is, it, i guess it could be part of this you know the, the culture wars and everything you know which which yes. which is good for the the media um at the end well, of the day. this is essentially the 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 third iteration of, of of a faragist party as it were i mean we had ukip and then the brexit party and now it's changed into into reform uk and there is a danger that it could be a kind of haven for that sort of conspiracy if they are going on the anti-lockdown basis. As I said, it's got those two major strands of theory behind it. One slightly more free market right wing and the other more conspiracy based. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that develops. Um, I mean, personally, I hope it doesn't. <laughs> I, I, I hope it dies <laughs> very, very quickly. But uh, the movement, I mean, I hope the movement dies. Um, but we, we'll see what, how that all plays out. 
But to jump back a little bit in the uh, Farage timeline, perhaps we could talk a little bit about our, our saucy news article. I mean, it's the closest thing we could get to saucy news. I, d I think expecting to have a source-based political article every week to discuss was, was maybe too high hopes. Um, but we're talking about meat this week and a specific type of meat that has seen a, a very fast rise in usage uh, of, of the term on Twitter in the past couple of years, and that is gammon. Um, being used, of course, to refer to, um, I believe the term is a sort of red-faced, middle-aged man who maybe represents a sort of Little Englander isolationist perspective of the world. It is a derogatory term, um, don't get me wrong, uh, and, and not a particularly nice one. But I, as we were saying earlier on, we are living in these sort of culture wars times. So <laughs> maybe not to be unexpected. Um, but specifically what we're talking about in relation to Gammon this week is uh, Dr. Peter Gammons. And we have to state <laughs> that the doctor is in inverted commas there as uh, he received his doctorate from an ecclesiastical university in the US that is not affiliated uh, with the US's um, accreditation for education boards. So, so an interesting man already, just from deconstructing his title, um, perhaps. Uh, he's uh, the UKIP candidate for the mayor of London. Um, and he stated that he left Farage's Brexit party because they were too politically correct, which is a mind blowing statement in my mind. Um, I've no, <laughs> I've no motivation to to go on on, on an attack against uh, Dr. Gammons, but it, it, he does have a rather interesting CV. So um, I'll, I'll tell you a few things he's done, John, and you can maybe tell me what you think about them. Yeah, sure. Uh, so in Manila, in the Philippines, uh, he preached to a crowd of over 4 million people. That's a, a, a Catholic religious event. I see. He supposedly healed 18,000 Brazilian people in one week, um, including uh, a deaf and a mute girl and a blind woman using the power of the Lord. I mean, that is quite impressive. He has prophesied the uh, rise to power of the ex-Philippine president, um, Gloria Macapagal Arroyo and supposedly returned Trinidad and Tobago's Prime Minister back to power, again through this prophesizing. Um, and this, this man is going to be the candidate for UKIP um, for the Mayor of London position. So, so what do you think about his, uh, his CV, John? Well, I mean, from this, I mean, he's clearly um, very foresighted, you know. He, um... Yeah. With his, with his powers um, vested in him by the Lord. Um, yeah. I mean, he has his amazing healing powers as well. Um, I mean, this yeah. guy, I mean, he reminds me a bit of that um, uh, Stephen Seagal. Have you heard of him? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. He does, yeah, he does seem a bit like UKIP's answer to him. I mean, I, I mean, if, he, if this guy wins, I mean, like, I, I, very optimistic, I think. I, yeah, I think it is an, a, an optimistic claim that, that he might win in, in sort of um, very liberal left London. Um, I, mean, I mean, he's got, he's got a good voice support there, I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I think 
it, while it is quite comical to look over what he claims to have done, there is a more serious side to this, which is um, the reason he said he left the Brexit party was that he was concerned that they were selecting potential parliamentary candidates um, who, on the basis that they weren't British, not born in Britain, um, quote, of a different ethnic race, anti-white and anti-Christian, end quote. So there is, there is a dangerous rhetoric behind this. Um, I mean, we obviously know that UKIP isn't going to come into a parliamentary majority and, and, and kind of become this, this, this great political power. Uh, but the fact that that's on, you know, on the main playing field of, of, of UK politics is, is really interesting um, that, that he's managed to field this position. I mean, I mean, UK is kind of like a minority kind of group. And I guess you could say, say about like the Green Party and things. I mean, I guess sure. you got you got one, you're going to have the other. But okay. I mean, I don't I, I just don't really see the point in them even really contending um, right. to be mayor of London, because I mean, this guy's never going to get it really. But I mean, it kind of just—it's kind of like another kind of um, thing where it's kind of like, what, what, why bother even trying when um, it's just really going to be Labour or the Tories? Um, I'm not advocating for him at all, of course. But I mean, it, no, sure. Kind of like, what, what, why? I mean, great, you've um, preached over four million people, but I mean, you're still not going to win uh, Mayor of London. No, no, certainly not. It's it's an interesting uh, place, but as I say, his name has led to much ridicule online um given that 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 derogatory term gammon essentially is being used to describe exactly the sort of uh character that you would imagine um ukip to be fielding in it in its candidacy um certainly since since it's kind of it's it's lost its foothold that it had in the in the time around the 2016 referendum you know that that was the time of, the, of their peak and since farage has left uh, it seems to have kind of descended into into chaos anyway but yeah i thought it was just a very interesting fact that this party that was once considered a possibility possible kingmaker for a for a conservative majority um in the commons is now fielding such extreme candidates i think it's fair to say he is quite an extreme candidate yeah, yeah. certainly and, and his name of course does tie in quite nicely um, it does saucy news saucy news well, I think that wraps up uh, our discussion for this week. A very interesting one. Um, got quite philosophical and theoretical with that one, which was which was interesting. Um, so, uh, all that's left to say is uh, tomorrow, well, that's of recording, sorry, on the 16th, which I think will be the day of release, actually, at 8pm, uh, we will be hosting Global Politics Finland, which will be presented by our society member, Nelly Kavanen. Um, talking about her homeland, uh, which will be quite an interesting debate. As I, I know absolutely nothing about the politics of Finland. I don't know about you, John, so I'm quite looking forward to it. Yeah, soon. It'll be very interesting. Excellent. Uh, thank you very much for listening to the podcast today. I uh, hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.